Welcome to Security All In. This is Sam Curry. And uh, Security All In is about our industry, about security, um, how we got here collectively and personally, uh, how we approach and see and deal with risk in particular, and about our stories collectively, uh, what we're passionate about, what makes us tick, and how at some point we all went, quote, all in in security. I'm joined today by Gary Hayslip, who is a friend and colleague and uh, CISO for Webroot. Um, Gary, welcome welcome to the show. Thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, uh, Gary, we've, we've known each other a little while. I know you've got an amazing background. Um, maybe the way, a nice way to break the ice here might be a, a simple question of how did you get into security? You know, honestly, um, I was active duty military and my job was, I was working then in the advanced electronics field, you know, working with weapon systems and stuff had nothing to do with cybersecurity or computers, you know, and it just happened to be, I was on deployment and I was extremely bored. And the warship I was on, because I was with the U.S. Navy, uh, the warship I was on, I uh, went to our library to find something to read, and uh, Wim Schwartel's book, Virtual Warfare. Oh, I know that one well, yes. And it was like somebody had shoved it up on the shelf, and it was all beat up, and you know, nobody was doing anything with it. And I was just like, this is kind of interesting, you know, and I... Yeah, in, in, in the movie of your life, that would have been secretly planted there by your fairy godmother or something, and you oh, pulled yeah. it down and found it. You know, and I, I pulled this thing down, and I started reading it, and I just got just fascinated with just the whole idea of net-centric warfare. You know, and of course, this is in the mid-90s, you know, when, um, you know, 286s were the hot, you know, mm-hmm. desktop computers. With the turbo button on them, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, and it was, but it's just, you know, it's something resonated with me. You know, that this is, you know, uh, something very interesting. I had no idea, you know, um, what I needed to do to get involved mm-hmm. or to get into it. Uh, but I just knew I needed to know more about it. And, uh, and that started my journey basically 20 years ago. And so presumably the deployment ended. Did you get a chance during the deployment to start to explore it? Or did you have to wait till the next phase, either in the Navy or after? No, I mean, you know, while I was on the deployment... Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking with the, uh, I actually went down and started talking with our IT uh, personnel or IT technicians, and it just happened to be that they tended to assign people in each of the departments as like a liaison mm. to do security and to do IT work to help them. And so I immediately volunteered for that. You know, I had no idea what I was doing, but I immediately volunteered for it, you That's know, good. and and as soon as we got back from deployment, you know, um, I really freaked my wife out because... <laughs> You know, I moved the cars out of the garage, went to Home Depot, come back, and basically built a lab in my garage that took over half of my garage. And, um, and I ordered about $10,000 worth of equipment off of eBay, had a whole rack of Cisco equipment, had shelves of computers and stuff. And I was determined I was going to learn this. And uh, I started taking, you know, classes at the local junior colleges on the side, started paying for my own certifications on the side. You know, while I'm still active duty military, still doing my regular job, but I just had this this calling, this curiosity, this fascination with it. And so I was self-taught, you know, and I learned how to hack. I learned how to program. Um, I was sucking so much bandwidth from Cox, you know, from Cox, you know, Cox Communications 
that they, one of their techs actually come by the house to try to figure out what the hell I was doing. That's <laughs> amazing. Were, That's amazing. Yeah. Were, were you in California at the time, was this? Yeah, yeah. I was in, I was in uh, San Diego. Yeah, you're still there now, actually, right? That's, oh, yeah. Uh, that, that's where oh, home yeah. is. Yes, uh, you can use the garage for that. I was, of course, in snowy lands, and, and the car has to go in there. I had to use the basement. But I think basements are less common out there. Um, that sounds like your all-in moment. Um, am I right there? Oh, yeah. Or, or did, did you have doubts after that point? Did you have a point where you're like, why am I doing this? What am I going to do next? Or did you no, just... I mean, it was, you know, I mean, for six years, I lived in that garage until I was able to talk to my wife into letting me use one of the bedrooms downstairs as my office. But, you know, every night, I was out there studying and working on stuff. I was working on certs. I was, this was before, you know, VMware and everything. So, you know, I had individual, I had one whole row of machines that were Unix or Linux based machines. I had all of the row of windows machines and, you know, and I was going to learn this, you know, I wanted to understand and do this, you know, and then I, you know, as I was working on my certs and, and educating myself, I started volunteering at nonprofits and, you know, different places in town that didn't have IT people to do stuff for them because I needed the experience, you know, and I started doing that. And it was just, yeah, I was all in. I was determined that this was going to be my career. I didn't know what it was going to be, <laughs> but I knew it was going to be in this field, you know, somewhere in the network, IT, security type field. And along the way, about four years into it, um, the U.S. Navy realized all of a sudden that I had all of this experience and I had these certifications and, you know, and the military being the military, they, you know, they have no problem grabbing you and saying, okay, well, you're going to do this and this now. Yep. And, uh, and so the next thing I know, I was uh, a, um, a CIO. Mm-hmm. you know, for one of the Navy's commands. And I was also, you know, doing my regular, you know, job. And I was, you know, doing security. And then, you know, and, and the ands just started adding up, you know. And, and that's how it started for me is I, you know, I started kind of doing software development, got into networks, got into security, got into auditing, got into forensics. I was running security teams. I was a CIO. I was a CISO. I've been a chief privacy officer. I've done several of them at the same time. Yeah, so it they kind of started my like you said it was all in for me. I mean, I knew that this is what I wanted. So it sounds it sounds to me in some ways, you know, Gary, uh, you strike me as a very uh, somebody who expresses himself well. Um, you have social skills. You have an ability to bridge the technical and the non technical. I, I read actually your. Um, your uh, upcoming um, CISO desktop handbook. Uh, or, and if I'm referring to it wrong, uh, I'm not a publisher either, so please correct me. But um, <laughs> would you say that it's fair to say that you're equally left brain, right brain, or internally motivated and externally motivated? Or is there a secret, Gary, who you really, it's that guy in the garage where you get the thrill, or it's the guy on stage you get the thrill? Is it 50-50, or is there a, is there a heavy favor of one side or the other? It's, you know, it's actually, um, I would say it's probably 50-50. I mean, when I first started out, I was extremely technical. Um, but the more I progressed in the field and the more I was, you know, managing teams and at the same time, my military career, you know, I became a chief petty officer and I'm managing, you know, 10, 20, 30 person teams, you know, of people and you got responsibility for these people and for their careers. You, um, you start all of a sudden the soft skills, hmm. you know, piece starts really coming to play a lot, you know, and, and I'm a very big proponent of servant leadership. And so, you know, about that time was also when I decided that, and this was in 
you know, just a couple of years back, but, you know, I had been doing IT and had been managing teams and kind of figuring it out. And I had some really good mentors, but I decided to go back to school and do an MBA. Ah. Yeah, you because know, I really wanted to understand the business side of, um, Did, of Do you think you needed to get to that point in your life? Would it have been wasted earlier or was this just, yeah, it, it was just waiting for you? You know, I honestly think it was, you know, for me, I'm always looking at a, a continuing progression and career. And it's one of the things that I look at for my staff when I'm building teams and helping them lay out their path, you know? And so for me, you know, doing the MBA was my next step. I knew that I needed that because of working with executive staffs, working with boards, you know, I needed to be able to understand their mindset and their view of operations and revenue. And I needed to be able to speak you know, not just in threat and vulnerabilities, but I need to be able to go ahead and have one foot in both worlds, one foot on the technical side where I'm with my architects and my engineers and I love my teams and then one foot on the business side, you know, because I see my role as a CISO and I've written about it, you know, our role is changing, you know, and it's becoming a lot more very focused in business risk, you know, and you got to be able to speak to that when you're talking to people that are not, technology savvy. And I, I ran into it a lot at the city of San Diego where I would have to go ahead and partner and work with, you know, various departments that are doing multi-million dollar projects, but they're not very technology savvy at all. Mm. But I have to explain to them the risk of the decisions that they're making. Actually in the, in the, in the, in the, um, in a, uh, in the government capacity, and especially the city of San Diego, were you dealing more with like civil service people whose careers were public, public service, but, you know, they would be there multiple years or was it with elected officials? Was it, were you trying to sort of help the mayor or were you trying to help the head of, of a department who would have a permanent position or was it either? Well, and was there a difference? Well, I mean, the, um, I can tell you like, like with the city, it was a mixture of everything. Hmm. You know, the, I mean, I could be working with police officers, yep. you know, and their IT staff, or I could be, um, you know, a city council member or somebody from the mayor's staff may call me in because they've got specific questions about something, you know, like a smart city project or something that, you know, that, that they were doing. Um, a lot of times I was dealing with somebody that was one of my peers, you know, a deputy director or a director, you know, of a department. And they had multiple projects that they were working on that were probably going to be coming through tech review. And they wanted us to get a pre-look, you know, to take a look at them so they could better understand their risk. You know, what I found in the city of San Diego and with a lot of CISOs that I've mentored even today in the, in private industry and, you know, in, in public and still with government, you know, CISOs that I mentor, many of them are moving things to cloud, you know, and so they're just trying to get that, get comfortable. Get comfortable with, with the, the notion of cloud or the notion of risk around the Yeah, just get the, the risk. Yeah. You know, and getting comfortable around a, a stack that you may not fully control or fully have your hands on. And so there's, so we have, um, you know, so a lot of times my discussions would be on that. And, you know, for cities, you know, they have a unique issue that the data that they have, that the data that they create um, does not belong to them. It belongs to the citizens. Right. And so that's, you know, and that does throw, when you are a CISO, that throws some unique 
views on data governance. You know, and you, I mean, I had team members that their job was just nothing but e-discovery, you know, because some of the things that we dealt with. And and there are, you know, there are caveats in the California Public Records Act where if it's, if it's a cybersecurity related data, you can deny releasing that data because you would put, you know, the networks at risk, you know, and it would be a hazard, you know, to the citizens. You know, but with that said, you know, that's, that's very small compared to the the large amounts of data that cities generate. And I can tell you those cities that are going down the smart city path, take that data and multiply it by a factor of five. I mean, the types of data that sensors and stuff, you know, Mm -hmm. are creating now and just the fascinating things that you can, you know, pull together. In some ways it it must've felt much more interesting. In some ways it must've felt much more tangible personally as a responsibility then look in the when you're in the military you're you're doing an amazing thing you're standing on the wall you're defending the nation in critical infrastructure and so on but it sounds like in the city you 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 felt personally like you worked for the citizens and protecting them tangibly every day like you're you're looking for things for them. You're 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 coming up with architectures for them. Yeah. Is, that, is that is that? I don't want to undermine what the military does ever, but is that a good accurate representation of the city role? Well, I mean, it, honestly, it is. I mean, what I find is um, it's interesting because I go ahead and I work with veterans that are transitioning, and they're coming out, and they're very interested in the cybersecurity community, and I find a lot of them gravitate towards it because they still want to serve. They still want to be part of a team. They still want to be able, you yeah, know, to be mindset. part of that, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that mindset, you know. And I found in the city, it is very much the same way. You know, you're. Work, I have ten thousand plus employees. It's a four billion dollar business, you know. And I am, am I'm tasked with protecting over forty thousand plus endpoints. And when you really look at it as a smart city, you are a an entity that doesn't sleep. It runs 24-7, and you're providing services to three and a half million citizens who rely on you. You know, and it was my job and my team's job to go ahead and protect that infrastructure and that data and to provide those types of services. You know, and, and I've always been as a CISO, I've always taken, you know, my role personal and the networks and the data and the things, you know, the services that are, you know, that are under my protection. You know, it's always been one of those things that I, uh, from a professional standpoint, I've always driven to do the best that I can and for my teams, you know, and I've always looked at cybersecurity as a service, mm-hmm. you know, and it's a service around enterprise risk management. Um, shifting, shifting games, uh, shifting gears a little bit. Um, I, uh, I, I think I'd, I'd like to try to get a little bit more of the personal side because in my estimation, um, you're very much a Renaissance man. Um, but this ironically, and I'm thinking about the audience here, there's people out there who are CISOs or aspiring CISOs, and and um, they're thinking, you know, how do I get to be like Gary? Um, how did he get to be who he is? And we have a habit as human beings of focusing on the subject at hand, right? Where in many ways, you kind of have to lift your head up and say, let's look at Gary more broadly, or Sam, or whoever, in order to understand what you bring to bear to being a CISO, because I hear from you creative language, a curiosity. Um, do you have uh, any other interests that you feel have stretched your mind at all, or um, it could be academic, it could be uh, hobbies, anything like that, that you feel have made you a better CISO? Ironically, it doesn't have to be a direct link, but you feel there's a, I'm a better CISO today, not just because I did the thing in the garage, not just because I understood risk, but or I served the nation, 
which are all great things. But is there anything else that you feel the dimension of your personality, family side, the fun side, anything like that that comes to mind? Yeah, I mean, I find that, you know, I have, um, I have sons with high-functioning autism. Oh, so you know, of course, they're in their twenties now. They're in college, and they're they're amazing young men, you know. But that that type of perseverance and that type of you know tenacity and raising sons, you know, um, with special needs, and and my wife has just been totally amazing, Aww. you know. Um, What's she? Yeah, what what is she like, Gary? But feel free to <laughs> tell us about your wife, by the way, because that's one of the things yeah. I have to talk about. My wife. Not well, she's. Wife. You know, my, my, my wife, Sandy, we've been together almost 30 years. Wow. And, uh, Congratulations. Yeah, it's been an amazing road. I mean, she had no idea what she was getting into when we got together. You, know, <laughs> well, you took over we, the garage pretty early on. Oh, right? yeah. <laughs> I mean, we, you know, we got together at the beginning of my career in the Navy. And, you know, she probably wasn't expecting eight deployments, three combat tours, and wasn't expecting, you know, to maybe be gone, you know, eight months at a time. You know, but it's, you know, we've stuck it together and raised – you know, great kids. How, how many kids do you have in total? Well, the way she looks at it is she's got three, you know, the two nice. boys and then me, yeah. you know, uh, you know, cause she kind of looks at me as being an extension of that. You know, I, uh, you know, I'm, I love technology. I'm fascinated with computers. Uh, right and, now. And your I'm boys in, share the fascination with technology or do they have other passions? They, they have other passions. My youngest son is in the sports and my oldest son is into computers, but he's also, you know, he's, he's a gamer. He likes to write, you know, he's into digital media and art, you know. Um, so it's, you know, both of them are quite unique. I heard uh, Temple Grandin once uh, say that she, you know, there's a lot of concern over increase in autism. And, and she said, actually, she's concerned about the reverse, that there aren't maybe enough, that there's a, a certain focus and a certain um, mindset that comes uh, from that, that, that makes better engineers and, and people who perform a lot of tasks better uh, than the rest of the population. Um, uh, somebody who has boys on the spectrum who are high functioning, um, do you feel that way at all? And have you learned any lessons for security from that? I mean, you know, the interesting thing I've learned from them is that, you know, each one of them is unique. You know, each one of them has their different issues. But what I find from them is they look at the world and they look at things very different than we do. They process information different than we do. You know, I, you know, I find that um, my youngest son, you know, you know, brilliant guy, you know, and loves sports, is into statistics, and, you know, will get hyper-focused doing research on things and will totally lose track of time and just, you know, the world around him doing stuff. You know, but it's – he's definitely – you know, he wants to work in sports business. You know, where my older son um, – is very driven towards he likes games he likes working you know with immersion teams, you know yeah. immersion and it's um that, you know when i find from both of them you know from a security perspective is that you know they you know kids their age right now have no sense of privacy at all mm. And, and they have no sense of what they give up every time they use an app or a smartphone. Is, is it no sense or is it a different sense? Because we don't experience it. But how would they describe you know, it? I guess for them, you know, and it's interesting too. I go ahead and I talk to them and they, they've never really had the sense of like privacy that we grew up with. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I would say that it's probably very different. It's a different sense of privacy. And the way they look at it is that, you know, what privacy they have, yeah, is really on the, um, the companies or the app developers to go ahead and manage for them. 
it's funny. I have a I have a five year old daughter, and of course we have a we have had a baby monitor in her room because you know we're we're this generation parents. Uh, and I got married relatively late, and she thinks of her monitor as her room service button, right? <laughs> where, where I was worried, like are, are mom and dad uh, too close and watching too much? Um, yeah, no, that for her it's a service, and I'm like, how does she see it that way? And you know, uh, but the, it's this. Um, it is a different way of viewing the world, isn't it? It's uh, it, it, it. These things serve me. Um, but then the question is, of course, do they do they enslave us? Oh, yeah. right? And what is you know, every generation's got to repeat this, right? Yeah, because I mean, I can tell you, I spend a lot of time looking at risk and new technologies, and yeah, and there's been a couple times where I've seen something, and I'm looking at it, and I'm you know, I'm bouncing it around and thinking, okay, what bad things could I do with this, or what kind of good things could this yeah. new technology bring? And then I just you know, I'll throw it over to my sons. I'll just let them talk, you know, and I like listening to the way they think of things. And a lot of times they come up with stuff. That's fantastic. That like, oh, okay. You know, and it is, I mean, it's, you know, they're very, they're very, you know, utilitarian, you know, that's just, you know, Hey, I'm going to use this. It's going to do this for me. And then boom, they kick it to the curb and go on about their business. That's an amazing feedback loop to get there. Um, and and what's, what's interesting is like, you know, when they do something like that, I'm like, what about the residual information you left on that? What about the the privacy trail that's now available for other people to be able to use to track you? They don't even think about that. Hmm. You know, and so it, it is. I mean, it's a um, so you know being a CISO, you know, for a company where we have a wide range of employees, you know, it definitely opens that lens when you start looking at risk because you have to look at it at different perspectives, you know, because of how your employees are not always going to use a technology or a cloud service, you know, the way that, you know, the company thinks they're going to, you know, you have to look at three or four other alternatives. Um, Do do you have any, uh, any family, um, uh, discussions about security. It sounds like your your one of your sons is into gaming. Uh, certainly, I think he might think security is important if it's got to protect his avatar or his world. Oh, or yeah. his, you know, his uh, online uh, experience. Yeah. Is it is it a subject at the, the dinner table then for the family, or is it is it we, uh, is that know, what dad does in the garage? Uh, well, we you know, we we definitely talk to him, talk about it. I mean, you because know, my office now is inside the house. And I have to admit, I'm a hardcore gamer myself, you know, Excellent. and I have like several bookcases, floor to ceiling that are nothing but science fiction books, you know, because I, I constantly read. Well, so know, w- warning, warning, warning to the listeners, I do too. Um, in our house, I have uh, two and a half rooms of library space for a combination of games, science fiction and fantasy. I've just, my whole life, that has been a big thing for me. Yeah. Uh, so I, I'm going to ask you in a minute what you're, what you're, what your uh, if you have any recommendations for people to read, so you can you can ruminate on it. But I, I I'm sorry for interrupting. I just had to say warning to the listeners that we are about to geek out. Uh, so yeah, so, so you have you have this passion as well, and your sons share that too. Oh yeah, oh yeah. In fact, um, everything from um, anime to uh, like you know we've got four day passes to Comic Con oh. in July, which is like Christmas for us. 
Yeah, but your 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 Comic Con there is the Comic Con, right? I mean, we oh, have yeah. we have one here, but we all look at San Diego and go, no, 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 that's the that has a capital T, the uh, and capital C for Comic Con on it. Yeah. yeah, my you know my my wife knows that when I go to Comic Con, I'm probably going to drop about a thousand dollars and come back with several, you know, several collectible statues, and usually I come back with several graphic novels that I collect. You know, I'm all into the X Men Dark Phoenix series. Yep. Yep. You know, just the tragedy of that series, and I collect a lot of that artwork, and uh, so it's like you know, she knows. She already knows. Yeah. You know? awesome. And then, uh, and then I happen to play World of Warcraft a lot, so a lot of times I'll bring back stuff from that. So she already knows what to expect. Uh, that that's super cool. And um, do, do you apply any of those principles, by the way, with uh, with your team? I know you have a you have a, a security team. Uh, you've got younger generation coming up, and of course, there's oodles of discussion about how millennials approach. Um, a lot of uh, of the professional world in a way through the eyes of someone who doesn't take breaks and they think about things in incremental rewards and almost a gaming like mentality. But do you use that in your processes? Do you use that in in your uh, morale? But I mean, for instance, here, just really simple. Some of us are even playing a diplomacy game within the department, right? Because it's a lot of fun and um, we get to we get to socialize and and it doesn't take time out from work very much. Do you do any do you bring any of that to how you manage security within the organization? Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact I you know, when I visit Denver with my team here and then I'm in San Diego with my team there. And you know, besides taking them the you know, to lunch, you know, monthly where I get to just spend time with them, hmm. you know, we're like in San Diego we're planning a nerf battle. Yeah. You know, so we've got a freaking ton of Nerf guns and stuff there. I think we sent you and, some, didn't we? At some oh, point, yeah. Isn't it a, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I have to send them. more ammo and more and more supplies. I'm, I'm a Nerf gun smuggler, apparently. Yeah. And so, and so, we, so we've had a big discussion on how we would do it. You know, we have teams we would partner with, and we're already planning for that. And, and then, like, you know, my, uh, my Denver office here, they're trying to talk me into the next team building event is for us to go snowboarding. And of course, they you know they want to do it during the week, but I'm thinking about when Ready Player One comes out. Oh, and just for the afternoon, we're just gonna go, so you know, I, and, I, and I'll pay for everything and take them. I'm and so I, hoping that book a movie goes well. I well, dude, I you know I've read the book like three times, uh, and I'm really hoping. You know, I know Spielberg has made some changes to it, but I'm hoping it stays. Yeah, you know, with, with the movie. Yeah, so it's a spoil, spoiler slight alert for people. I'm hoping they keep the rush in it. I'm hoping they keep the, oh, yeah. you know, the 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 twenty one the twenty one twelve overture in it. You know, the I'm just dying to see how it goes. I, my, my worry is that it will become just an FX machine, but um, you have yeah. to do that. Um, the crazy yeah. thing is reading that book. There was so many references of things that I grew up with. Oh yeah. The video games and stuff that I was telling my sons about it and we went ahead and went on Amazon and bought like 20 videos that they had never seen things like Ferris Bueller's Day Off or Back to the Future oh my goodness. and over the last three months we've been watching all of these 80s and 90s movies preparing them so that when we go you know and we go to geek out to that movie that they're going to understand all the one-liners and stuff yeah, in fact, uh, you, you're going to have to dust off some of the stuff on your bookshelves and let them borrow them a bit. I think there's oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a ton in there. I mean, and uh, well, let's just uh, we will have to uh, we'll have to follow up after uh, Ready Player One actually airs, um, and maybe do a post uh, do it do a discussion post that and and talk about how it goes. But so the um, the uh, the notion of um, back back to the security team, the notion of bringing some of this in. It sounds like like you're. You've got um, the, 
you're, you you don't just hire people who have an understanding of conflict, but there's this notion of of bringing some game games to work and gaming at work and um, doing team building with it. Um, I think that's incredibly useful because it, it's not just one model of conflict and walk away. You're you're also having to figure out how to work as a team and how to survive through multiple conflicts. And this has to be good exercise and food for thought. I, are you when you coach people? Because I know you believe in paying it forward. You've, you've alluded to it a couple of times. Um, do do you encourage people to bring this dimension of themselves if they have it or others like it to what they're doing, or is it a you know is it a is it like career advice? Is it resume building? Is it how to be a whole person? H- how do you approach coaching people? You know, um, the way I kind of explain it is that it's, it's actually a little bit of everything. You know, so it's, it's a little bit of all of the above, like just like what you said. I mean, for myself, you know, I go ahead and I explain to my staff that from a professional development standpoint, you know, I am extremely blessed to be where I'm at, you know, you know, by, you know, uh, you know, because I, I, I definitely know God was looking over my shoulder and said, yeah, that book right there up in that corner that no one's reading, you need to read that. Because, I mean, otherwise, I, I, I honestly don't know if I'd have found this field and this community that is so unique, yeah. you know. And so I've always felt that, and in, in the military, you know, as a chief petty officer, you know, you're trained to take care of your people, you know, and you're trained to mentor and lead your people. And, and to this day, I have mentors, you know, that I work with, you know, both at church, both at, you know, professionally, and I find that I'm, I'm better for it, you know, not just mentoring other people, but also asking, you know, for people to help me. And, and it's one of those things that I firmly believe, you know, for managing and leading and mentoring my teams here is I want them to step up and take charge of projects. But I'm not going to have you take charge of a project and fall. I want you to take right. charge of a project and see how far you can go, how, how well you can stretch, and we're going to help you stretch a little bit more. And you're going to have assistance. But, you know, you got to go ahead and teach them to be willing to ask for help. you got to be able to teach them to get used to working in teams, that you don't have to do it all by yourself, that it's okay to collaborate and share with each other. You know, and it's okay to fall and fail but what did you learn yeah. and then you own it and then you come up with plans to fix it and then you move on, you know, and it's, it's all of these pieces that, you know, I've, you know, I firmly believe, you know, in my job as a CISO and as a leader and as a mentor that I, you know, I, I push forward with the people that I work with and a lot of the CISOs that I mentor and, and I work with, I, I learn from them, you know, you know, they may not realize it, but as I talk to them and I hear about the issues that they're dealing with and I help help them walk through, sometimes it's just straight politics. How do I deal with my CIO, you know, or how do I deal with another peer and I need his help on a project, but he is not really interested, you know, and, and yeah. working with them and helping them solve their issues, I also, you know, learn from them. And there's a lot of times where things I learn from them I find maybe helpful when I'm working with my sons or I find maybe helpful when I'm working with a vet who, you know, a, you know, an officer in the Navy who's coming out, wants to get into cybersecurity and um, has no idea what he wants to get into. And now all of a sudden I've got some kind of context, which I can help him see something to get him started. Yeah. It sounds like these start to reinforce each other. You know, I think that the, the blessed life is the one where you is you're not you're not challenge free, 
it's that your challenges are all reinforcing the learning experiences and you're, you're, you're doing good at a faster rate in a way. Right. Uh, um, yeah, it's, 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 it sounds in many ways like, like you, you're, you're, you're at the peak of your game. Right. So to knock on wood, um, but it's, it sounds very encouraging. Um, we're uh, going to be approaching the end of our time here, uh, but I've got really two two things left to to uh, to ask you. Um, thinking of somebody in the audience who might be listening um, and a chance to sort of coach at a very wide, but not you know, it's a mile wide and an inch deep level. Would you have any advice to um, the next generation of CISOs? Is there anything as they're thinking? Uh, you know, I'm all in on security. Uh, how do I how do I get to that really positive feedback loop that Gary kind of described and didn't know he was describing? Maybe he did. Any advice that you would give folks um, who aspire to be the best CISO they can be um, that you would give? I mean, you know, a lot of the advice I'm giving right now to you know some of the young millennials and people that are just starting out hmm. is to understand that hey, you can go to school, you can get a degree in cybersecurity, but CISOs you know are grown over time. Right. You know, they're not something that you take a class in and boom, you're no, a CISO. No one's born a CISO, yeah. No, and, and I sit there and I tell them, you know, and I, I work with a lot of them and I explain to them, you know, a person's path will be, everybody's path will be different. You know, I've worked with CISOs who've got degrees in English, mm-hmm. but along the way they got fascinated with technology and computers and they became a CISO <laughs> years later. And it's, it's kind of funny. I mean, what, one of my co-authors that I, you know, I've written the, the CISO desk reference guide with uh, Matt, Matt Stamper, yeah. you know, he's brilliant, you know, but he, he's got a degree in, in, uh, in English. I like messing with by, him. By the way, I have to admit, one of my two degrees is in English. The other one's in physics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I, just totally, I wanted to be a science fiction writer, which explains but, it. But it's right. like, you know, I go ahead and I explain to him that, you know, just understand that path takes time. Yeah. And one of the biggest things that you have to look at is if you expect to go ahead and be a CISO and be one that's effective, don't think sitting in your cubby and just handle an email and everything, and it's just going to fall on your lap. No, you have to go ahead and volunteer for that project mm-hmm. that they're trying to find somebody to lead that nobody wants to do. And get get a bit know? uncomfortable. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. You have to go ahead and get outside of your comfortable zone. You may end up finding out that, you know, hey, you may start out as a network architect, and then you may jump over to audit, or you may be a, you know, a security engineer, and then you jump over to DevOps and do stuff in dev for a while, you know. Most CISOs that I know tend to have very eclectic backgrounds. You know, none of us just did straight cyber. A lot of us have experience in multiple areas. And I honestly think we're better for it because we view security. I mean, when I look at security, when I look at risk in an organization, I see data flows. I see like water you know, flowing down rocks, you know, and because to me, networks are like living, breathing entities. And to get that kind of view, that systems thinking. You've got a you model. Know, yeah. You, you yeah, build it takes them. Time. Yeah. You know, and you've got to get experience. And, and that's my biggest thing that I tell them is understand that, okay, this is your path. This is what you're going to go ahead and do. And you know, in game where you want to be at, and you're going to have multiple branches along the way. And I've written a lot of articles on it and I've done mind maps on it to show people possibilities. Be willing to take the chance, get uncomfortable, yep. volunteer, and step out. Yeah, I mean, don't for, sit for, in the cubby for all, and yeah. try to be comfortable. For, for, for all that we, we, you know, if life was here's my plan and then at the end of it, you go see how I fulfilled it, it would be pretty boring. 
right? Uh, for all that we tell a narrative about how we got here, um, uh, we probably just played the odds along the way. Uh, we didn't have a perfect map and then followed it. it to some degree, I feel very uh, bad for, for a lot of the very young folks out there who are like, well, what's my plan and how do I follow it? It's not about that. Yes, have a plan, but be prepared for the audibles and the shifts and and be a, be a diverse person. I think, uh, Gary, if, if we wind up at labeling this episode, it'll probably be either The Uncomfortable Zone or The Renaissance Man as a, as a title for it. But I'm open to suggestions afterwards. I have, I have one more thing for you, though, in the couple moments remaining. Uh, and this one's an easy yes, no. I expect it'll be yes, but and feel free to put conditions on it. Um, this, the, it's called Security All In. Um, a lot of what we talk about is going all in. Uh, and a poker analogy. Um, at, at some point in the near future, I intend to do uh, with those guests I've had who are willing, a uh, almost like a poker stars TV kind of thing, but as a as a as a webcast. Uh, would you be up for joining and 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 playing with us and and uh, be mostly CISOs, like minded folks, uh, playing cards and uh, talking security? Would you be up for that? Oh hell yeah! I think it'd be great. I'll let you know right now. I suck at it. So. No, no, no. We all do, by the way. Which is which is what all good gamblers say when they want your money, right? So, uh, yeah. Um, uh, okay. So that uh, that's that's it for now. But Gary, I I I'm so thrilled that you were able to join us, and uh, I found it was a wonderful conversation. So thank you so much for joining. Oh, no problem at all. Thank you very much. My, my pleasure. <laughs>